0: You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi and welcome to our Market Talk and Brexit updates. It's Tuesday, September the 17th. I'm Gavin O'Carroll from AIB's Treasury Dealing Room. Joined today by Oliver Mangan, our Chief Economist. And Oli will be discussing Brexit in the update just in the next few moments. Then reviewing last week's ECB meeting. And then obviously the central bankers meet this week in both the UK and the US, among others. And we'll come to them. Brexit updates. Sterling has been stronger, it's under 90p, even towards 89p. There is more optimism after last Friday's engagement by Boris's negotiators with the EU.
1: Well, certainly, yes. I mean, over the course of the week, we've seen Sterling recover ground over the last couple of weeks, ever since the UK Parliament uh, moved to block off a no deal Brexit at the end of October. Uh, what we've seen in the past week has been, you know, I think a realisation in the British government that if we're, if it's going to avoid having to write to the EU looking for a delay to Brexit, which it says it doesn't want to do, uh, the only route to that now is to try and get a deal. And it looks like serious negotiations, as you referenced, are beginning. It looks like, I mean, the sticking issue has been the, the so-called backstop, which Theresa May, uh, for political reasons, uh, made a UK-wide backstop. It was originally envisaged it would be Northern Ireland only backstop. So I think we're going back to that and trying to revisit that issue and can we come up with some form of backstop that's acceptable to the DUP and the Conservative Party and the Irish Government and the EU uh, just a Northern Ireland backstop. Already there's movement in the agri-food industry that we have one set of rules across the island, one agri-food industry. Well, if you can do that for agriculture and food, can you extend it to other sectors? So that's the type of negotiations that are ongoing and um, Obviously, there's optimistic noises, particularly from the UK government, that a deal can be done. Um, The critical dates here are the... October the 17th, which is the EU heads of state summit, and then October the 19th which is the date by which the uh, UK Parliament has to pass a deal if it's to, the government's to avoid sitting in that letter. So we're four weeks ahead of us of uh, serious negotiations. There's no guarantee a deal will be done. We have to think of the political rhetoric in the House of Commons as well. Can Boris Johnson get a deal done? I think it's key that he tries and brings on board the DUP. If he can sell it to them he would probably sell it to his back benches. And there's also... Um, I think within the Labour Party, certainly among elements of the Labour Party, some regret that they didn't pass, or sorry, support the withdrawal agreement earlier on the year. They want this off the agenda as well, particularly MPs from constituencies that voted to leave, so they could well support it. Now, uh, the market is, I would say, growing optimistic that we might get a deal. Uh, It's listening to the soundings of the government, the UK media, etc. But we're far from there, and it's four weeks away, and I think it will be difficult to frame a deal where You have uh, compliance with the single market regulations with the EU, and at the same time, satisfying uh, the main unionist party in Northern Ireland and others that there isn't uh, a sea of regulations between Ireland and uh, Northern Ireland and Great Britain. That's a tough task, so I wouldn't underestimate it. But certainly, sterling is strengthening on the back of it. And as we've referenced many times, the market's very short, sterling has been right over the summer because of the rising risk of a no-deal Brexit. So traders are buying back some of those positions. Sterling also risen well against the dollar record. Down as low as 120, it's back up towards 125. So mm-hmm. there's been a lot of volatility in the mm-hmm. currency in recent times. But Sterling at the moment is on the front foot uh, on hopes that we might get a deal at that EU summit mid-October. Uh, so we'll wait and see what happens.
0: Supreme Court meets today to assess whether the uh, proroguing of UK Parliament was actually... Lawful or not, lawful or not. Yeah. Let's call
1: us. Well, I'm not a, I'm not a man of the of the law, but I, uh, I'd be surprised. I think my understanding is it is within the remit of the UK government to prorogue Parliament, uh, whatever about the circumstances. I think the expectation is that the Supreme Court will rule in favour of the government, but we've already seen the Scottish Court rule against them. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see that. But I think the general expectation is that the the Supreme Court will rule in favour of the government. The issue here is if Parliament is recalled, well, obviously, there's the issue in terms of, uh, you know, deeply embarrassing for the government, uh, number one, but Parliament will be recalled. Uh, Now, remember, the view here is if Parliament stays prorogued until the 14th of October, there'll be no UK election until the earliest, uh, mid to late November. You have to have a five-week gap between the calling of an election and actually holding an election, a minimum of five-week gap. So, if Parliament is until the uh, uh, middle of October, that really means you can't have an election until mid to late November. At the uh, earliest. At the, early, at the earliest. So uh, we'll just wait and see what happens in, in that front. I think what a decision is expected, you know, today's Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, they'll be fairly imminent this won't drag on.
0: Just with the intensity of, uh, you know, the next few weeks ahead, and particularly for the uh, Republic, AIB has 32 Brexit advisors across the country. Please, customers, do go to AIB.ie forward slash Brexit for more information and supports that the bank has ahead of Brexit. We're also hosting early morning Brexit workshop across the country in conjunction with BDO. Next event uh, is actually today in, in, in NACE. The next one after that is in Moser Street, Dublin and our, our main offices on the 25th September. Athlone, the 1st of October. Sligo, the 10th of October. And Waterford, 16th of October. You could also profile yourselves as companies, uh, get our Brexit Ready check on our main websites, which is an easy to use online tool for businesses to assess how you may be impacted by Brexit, either directly or indirectly, as a land bridge with the UK. So, Ollie, let's move on from this Brexit sen- uh, se- section of the actual podcasts to the ECB last Thursday, ahead of Christine Lagarde coming in the next few months.
1: Yeah, well, it was the second last meeting where Mario Draghi remains or is president of the. Uh, ECB. It was a big meeting and uh, the ECB had upped expectations ahead of it that you know significant policy easing measures were coming and they delivered. They cut the depot depo rate by 10 basis points. It's now gone to minus 0.5%. They've restarted QE, bond purchases and it's open ended. There's easy term- easier terms in terms of uh, accessing the liquidity operations uh, and overall a steer that rates could go lower if required. For me, the standout comment, though, is um, these policy easing measures looked like to be in place for quite a long time because the ECB said, uh, and Draghi was strong on this at the press conference, that we will not end QE until we're about to increase interest rates and we won't be increasing interest rates until the underlying inflation rate in the Eurozone robustly converges with their 2% target and there's no sign of that happening.
0: Pick a year in the 2020s. Well, I mean,
1: inflation's been stuck at 1% for the last number of years, the underlying inflation rate. He's not talking about you know, inflation being moved by the ups and downs of mm. oil prices. He's talking about underlying inflation, your core rate of inflation. It's been stuck at 1%. for percent for years in the ecb we have stronger economies like the us which is at full employment its core inflation rate is below two percent right so and its own forecasts suggest that it doesn't expect inflation to get anywhere near two two percent in the in the near to mid, medium term if you look at the markets, uh, you know, you go back twelve months ago, a markets thought would be in positive rate thirty now, these mm. would be hiking rates. Now when you look at the futures contracts, and these contracts are available out to 2025, they're suggesting that rates will still be negative in the Eurozone. They're pricing in a deposit rate of minus maybe minus a quarter percent. It's currently minus a half. So really hardly any upward movement in, in, in rates in the next five or six years in the Eurozone. And the ECB tells us, well, if we need to move them, they're going down. They have an easing bias. So I think you know, they've sent a clear message to the uh, markets that you know, negative rates are certainly here to stay for the next number of years. As is quantitative easing and we're going to keep policy loose and we'll do more if it's required because of the weakness of inflation and that's somewhat associated with the, the slowdown in economic activity both in the eurozone and globally over the last 12 months
0: and Draghi, as he passes the baton on to christine lagarde yep. this was his penultimate amazing yep. but on friday the ft and uh, most of the media organizations globally and reuters and bloomberg's all covered the fact that he's asking the european governments germany france particularly yeah to up fiscal spending.
1: Yeah, th- there was a bit of an odd reaction in the markets. I mean, the, the euro fell initially but then, you know, it became quite clear as Draghi spoke. He was talking about doing further policies but there's not much more he can do. I mean, uh, at most markets think might like get another 10 basis points off rates and that'll be it. And he emphasised strongly the need for the baton to move from monetary policy to fiscal policy to stimulate growth, uh, boost inflation within the economy. So, when markets thought about it again they're actually saying well you know the ECB will keep policy very loose but I can't really do much more there's not much left in the locker here uh, it's it's done an enormous amount of QE in recent years uh, so hence um, somewhat bizarrely you know, a very dovish our policies and measure from the ECB the more markets talk Thought about well, there's not much more here for them to do. So actually, the euro covered a bit of ground, uh, particularly against the dollar, uh, when the markets thought about it again. And that's a very fair observation from markets' point of view. Rates are already very negative; uh, they'll keep them there. But the scope to go much lower is limited at this stage. And or it's to, over. Or to, to loosen policy any further.
0: And so it is down to Chancellor Merkel and to yeah. Well, the, the big
1: the big budget surplus is in Germany. Mm-hmm. It's the economy which has slowed most under the weight of. A global slowdown, mm. uh, particularly affecting the manufacturing sector and international trade. Germany has a much bigger industrial base than any other European economy. So it has suffered more, more, more than most. It has a big balance of payment surplus. It's got a budget surplus. It's got very healthy public finances. So the pressure is building on Germany to loosen fiscal policy to try and stimulate growth in Europe, as the UK has announced it, will, it intends to do, and as the US has done in recent times. So, you know, rates are low everywhere. Uh, and I think, you know, the message here is there's only so much central banks can do. We need some loosening of fiscal policy, which means increased government spending and possible tax cuts to help stimulate global growth as well.
0: OK, so this week, uh, both the Bank of England and the Fed are meeting this weekend and it continues the central bank theme.
1: It does, yeah. And uh, the Bank of Japan are meeting as well. So I think in terms of the Bank of Japan, the Bank of England, they're on hold. But the um, no, rates are low in those economies in the U.S., Uh, the Fed cut rates by 25 basis points in July it's widely expected we'll get another rate cut which will be announced on Wednesday night here another 25 basis points it'll take rates below 2% I think what people will be focusing on is their 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 guidance in terms of the future path of interest rates, will they be? Will they do more? Obviously, a lot of central banks have you know rates which are very low or negative. Rates are still relatively behind the US, so the scope to go more uh, and do more. But the US economy is holding up pretty well. Retail sales figures are good. Labor market strong. So um, the the Fed's concerned about the weakness of the global economy, the slowdown in international trade, and the weakness of its manufacturing sector, and the ongoing tensions and trade between China and the US. It's not really the domestic economy it's overly concerned about, but it feels these external influences are having a weakening impact on, on the US economy and it needs to cut rates. So what the markets are focused on is okay, we we'll get a rate cut on Wednesday, how much more is the Fed likely to do guide in that regard. And that will have, I think, uh, you know, quite a significant bearing on the dollar over the balance of the year. If the Fed's going to it's going to do more easing, well, then the dollar could lose some ground. Uh, if it's indicating actually we're happy enough with what we've done, well then that could see the dollar gain some ground.
0: Bank of England can't really say much with the, the Brexit story behind
1: yeah. it. Well, when you look at the UK and you took Brexit out of the equation, we have a uh, a labour market which is very tight, a sub-4% unemployment rate, and wage growth in the UK has accelerated to 4%. That would normally be a recipe for uh, higher very rates. But obviously, yeah. given the global slowdown and given the uncertainty around Brexit, uh, you know, rates can go either way in the UK. Mm-hmm. A no-deal hard Brexit will see rates cut. Uh, if we get a if we get a deal, or the, the, or we get the Brexit uncertainty eliminated another way, they remain or whatever, then we could see a rate hike in the, US, uh, in the UK. So we just, I think, in those sort of circumstances, the bank Union mean, is going to stay on the sidelines.
0: All sorts of potentials over the next six weeks. Ollie, thank you and thanks to our customers, colleagues and listeners for joining us on this week's Market Talk. Please check back for our latest podcast by pressing the subscribe button to AAB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android and speak with you soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.